Welcome to a sleepy edition of the Westminster <laughs> Effects Doxology podcast, where it is rainy and has been raining here in Greenville, South Carolina for, I don't know, Noah's on call though, where we explore popular <laughs> practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I am Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can buy stuff at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast lounge in for the discussion on Facebook. Uh, Lutheran John is not with us. He is apparently furniture shopping. So if he's at Ikea, pray I'd for, rather have a root canal. Yeah, if, if he's at Ikea, pray for your boy John. <laughs> and because uh, he's probably going to be assembling some, he'll probably be assembling something regardless. Well, Ikea is bad enough just going there, not to mention yeah. to put the stuff together afterwards. Right. It's, Woo, I, can't stand I, I think I'd rather go to Ikea than like your typical furniture store, though, I think. Uh, because there's, you know, they guide you through everything. Like, there's a path as opposed to a regular furniture store where you walk in and people just look at you like you just interrupted their Instagram live feed or something like that, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. The, the IKEA and furniture stores alike, I guess, reminds me of the... My grandmother, when she would come and stay, sometimes would make us go with her to fabric stores. Oh, those are the worst. Fabric stores, man. And I I don't know. Like that that sends a chill down my spine remembering how bad that was. Yeah. I can't I, it's it's gotten better, but with my allergies and stuff like that, but the smell of fabric stores. And Hobby Lobby used to, like, I, I couldn't spend more than, like, 10 minutes in there or I'd get a headache. Uh, but anyway, Lutheran John's not here with us. Uh, but we still have. It's Bradley Cox, sleepy pastor from Greer, South Carolina, and MVP of the National Preaching League. In <laughs> and, and where do you pastor? Greer, uh, Resurrection Church, <laughs> sorry. Resurrection Church. It had to fall apart sometime, right? Somewhere, yep. Uh, church this week, um, or I guess our online rendition of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in James 2, and yes. it was about how there's a total contradiction in the Bible, and James and Paul hate each other. <laughs> they anathematize exactly right. each other. That's right. One of the most controversial texts in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good it was one. highly though. debated. Yeah. yeah. I think people read James wrongly a lot. They do. Um, I think, you know, we somehow, you know, you know what I've noticed about James studying this last time is James doesn't write and think like Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul has, his arguments are stacked. You know, there's a point and then there's yep. sub point and it just sort of flows sequentially. But and it, James, all, it all builds. It all builds. Yeah. It all builds. And there's just a really good therefore or yep. a because or a for and it just sort of flows right there. And But James thinks in circles. More of the traditional Jewish thought. Exactly. Yeah. Everything overlaps. And yeah. I think that's what makes James not hard to read, but maybe perhaps easily misunderstood when he when he talks he starts the letter by saying count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds um and he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion so the whole letter really is about living well in faith mm-hmm. in suffering yep and the question at hand is is the faith that god given us able to save us in suffering mm-hmm. it's it's does it have implications for eternal salvation? Sure, but is that is that where the 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 laser is pointed? I don't think so. I think it's really pointed at specifically that if our faith is able to save us eternally, it should also be able to save us in suffering. And I think we got to the end of James two, and and he gives the examples of Abraham, mm-hmm. but he also gives the example of Rahab. So you've right. got Father Abraham and a prostitute side by side right. as examples of faith that works, <laughs> right? Which, which to me, in and of itself, makes it plain as day that James is not advocating for works-based righteousness, right? You know, he's not contradicting Paul. No. Um, oh man, I had a thought. What was it? Dang it! 
I can keep. I can keep going. You can, yeah, keep going for a second, and I'll come back around to it. Yeah, you know, like when James says, um, if if you see a brother or sister in need, and you say go warm and be be, be warm and be filled, and you don't do anything about the need, and then he asks the question, can mm-hmm. that faith save you? Right. And so people read that and they go, okay, if if someone who claims to be a Christian fails to meet the physical needs of a brother or sister when they have the means and that brother or sister is suffering, mm-hmm. then that brings their salvation into question. Right. But he's using that term safe broadly, kind of like he's going to do in chapter 5 when he says the prayer of faith will save the person who is sick. Yeah. So there he's using that word to talk about physical healing. And then in chapter 2, he's using that word, I think, to talk about save us from self-focus in times of suffering and need, to the expense of loving our brother, loving our sister, and meeting their needs. Yeah, and and you make such a great point of the faith that has been given to us. That's kind of controversial mm-hmm. in some circles. That's right. Um, where you would tie that to Ephesians 2, right? Uh, Absolutely. At, at least for the the really explicit part. Absolutely. Um, also Titus. Yeah. Um, we, you know, faith, you know, not based on works. It's a gift from God. And so right. if we don't, the reason I keep, and you've, you've picked up on it, that I keep saying that over and over, the faith that mm-hmm. God has given us is a faith that works. The right. faith that God has given us is a faith that works. And the reason is because James does not treat faith as a work. And I think that's the yeah. other mistake you can make. It's not James. something we muster up. If faith is a work, then James is advocating for works-based righteousness. Mm-hmm. But he's not doing that, I don't think. So... Um, I think the, um, you know, one of the other big things for me is that when James starts the letter by saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith, so who's doing that testing? It's God. God's doing the testing. So the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness, um, let let steadfastness have its... Um, full effect that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God is testing or he's proving or he's putting on display the genuineness of the faith that he's given us through testing. Agreed? Yeah. So if that's what God's doing, if God is proving the fact that he doesn't give us questionable faith, he doesn't give us weak faith, he doesn't give us faith that doesn't work by leading us through trials that prove the genuineness of our faith. It'd be ludicrous to think that James' goal in writing the letter is to make saved people question their salvation on the basis of works. Mm. It, 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 it's almost like he's doing the exact opposite of what God, what he says God yeah. is doing at the beginning of the letter. So yeah. I think the point is not to make saved people feel unsaved, but to build saved people's confidence that the faith God's given us is a faith that works. It works to keep us from showing partiality to the rich over the poor. Mm-hmm. It works to keep us from self-focus at the expense of loving our brother. Yep. And then this week, it works to keep control of our tongue, particularly in times of suffering. Right. And that the uh, the point of not doubting our salvation is is the one that I lost earlier. Okay. <laughs> that that's not the the point of that passage, and that's. That's where I have uh, some issues with uh, certain David Platt or early Francis Chan studies mm-hmm. where where it's like, obviously, we, we have some issues with Francis Chan right now, have no issues with David Platt at all. The guy's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so that out there. But a lot of times those studies meant for small groups, whether it's meant to or not, uh, we've done a couple of those studies and, you know, a lot of people walk away just feeling terrible about themselves uh, and about their salvation and, you know, am I really saved and all that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that there's no place for that, Mm -hmm. but when, when those guys so consistently have uh, come up with materials that consistently evoke those kinds of questions, I think there's something off with the presentation. Not not with the material itself, just with how it's presented. Yeah. Am I onto something there, maybe? I think so. Um, I think that um, 
Yeah, you you have to let James. If you don't realize that James does write like typical Jewish thought, it's it's in circles. It's it's overlapping. It it like you could almost read James like it's um, another book of Proverbs, a book of Proverbs in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Isolated, somewhat isolated statements that you know the book of Proverbs is is largely that somewhat isolated thoughts, ideas, statements that speak of how life typically works in general. Yep. That's what a proverb yep. is, right? Um, for the proverbs to say, I don't know, give me a proverb. Um, uh, there's the one, uh, well, there's the Proverbs 31 one. <laughs> there's uh, he who, uh, I can't even quote it right now. I'm so awful right now on remembering anything, but uh, he who produces good work won't stand in front of average men. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how life typically Right. Works. If you produce good work, you're going to stand in front of higher up people, right? Right. So you, you read James, and like this week, we're going to be in chapter three, where he says that, uh, for we all stumble in many ways, but if a man doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, mm-hmm. able to bridle his whole body. Yep. So that that's a really good statement, or the one where he says, let each of you be quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry. That reads like a proverb, but it's not an isolated statement. Mm-hmm. He's it, It's in the context of a thought about, okay, 12 tribes in dispersion. I'm writing to people that I used to pastor in Jerusalem that have now been scattered because of persecution. And mm-hmm. I want them to understand that in suffering, God's doing something. Yep. And we should count it all joy because we know whatever God does is good. And if we lack wisdom about how to live well in faith and count it all joy when we go through trials, we can ask God for that, and he'll Mm -hmm. pour it out and not hold back. Yeah. And because of that, because of the faith that he's given us as a faith that works, when we are going through a hard season, we're going Mm -hmm. through a tough trial, we don't have to snuggle up to the rich and marginalize the poor at the worship Right. Because they're not yeah. our source. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And 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 we don't have to become so self-focused that we just tell our brother, go go be warmed and filled. I'll pray for you, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything because I got my own problems. That's right. the flow of thought, and it's all... It, it's just all overlapping. And it's, and it's really timely with Verona running around. Verona, you know? that's right. <laughs> So, main topic, uh, it's actually a pretty timely question. I was wrong. It wasn't from Brian Morris. We'll, oh, really? We'll hear from Brian later. Uh, <laughs> this was <laughs> asked by Jared Hartley, uh, specifically about uh, my and my wife, Kristen's band. We have a post-hardcore or metal or whatever you want to call it band. And he says, in your band, uh, do you have disagreements with Kristen? And how do you deal with them without bringing them home? Which is kind of funny because we practice in our house. Uh, but without bringing them home with you or letting them affect your relationship. Um, so let's go with the music section first, because sure. you also make music with your wife <laughs> and, yep. and you have had disagreements oh, <laughs> at our, like in front of everybody, uh, before not anything insane, but just disagreeing. Oh, it's no, it's this note or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually she's the one that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now listen here, <laughs> but but Usually we <laughs> she's the one that's right. Uh, but we both make music with our with our wives. Yep. Um, and I think both of us think that's awesome. No, it's great. It's um, great. where where you know it's 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 not so much. Oh, uh, why do you have to go have band practice? It's hey, let's work on that song a little bit. Right. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So Mary and I had a blast. The la- last Sunday's online service, it was just she and I doing the worship. Yeah. I got on the yeah. piano, she yeah. sang. And you didn't great. even play that Tupac riff. Um, <laughs> I was tempted, though. <laughs> I may or may not have played that during an altar call 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. And you didn't, you didn't even correct me this time. You've just given up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Bruce Hornsby. Uh, Bruce Hornsby, that's right. <laughs> don't call it Tupac. <laughs> Tupac's a poser. 
<laughs> well, he's he's also dead, but true. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, he might be dead. He might not. Be. He might be hanging out uh, with Elvis right now, for that's all right. we know, and JFK uh, <laughs> in a trailer park in Arkansas. Well, that's uh, right. <laughs> but um, God, we are not focused today. It's yeah. it's the weather. Just so disagreements weather. with our wives. Yes, in, in musical contexts. Yeah, it's it, you know, Mary jokes all the time that. Uh, I don't know. Almost twenty years ago, we were uh, we were worship leaders at a church, um, different church than the one we're at now. Mm-hmm. And I, I during those days, I I primarily led from the piano, and yep. Mary would play kind of backup keys, strings, pads, what have yep. you. And and you know we had other instruments, and her keyboard was kind of set up at an angle behind me slightly. Yep. And I was out front because I was leading, and. Um, you know, if she hit a bad chord, she always jokes about me in the middle of worship turning around and making ugly faces at her uh, <laughs> because she hit a bad chord. I've uh, done plenty of that. Yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, it, I, I don't know that, um, I think there are some things, I, you see if you agree with this. I think mm-hmm. there are some things about my relationship with Mary and your relationship with Kristen that are similar in oh, that yeah. our personality. Yeah differences really complement each other. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. Mary and I did premarital counseling with you and Kristen. And so I know, I know how you guys interact. And I think Mary and I are similar is, is we we just complement each other and Mm -hmm. our wives are comfortable in their skin. We're comfortable in our skin. So we're able to disagree. Yep. Even if it gets a little heated sometimes in music, we're able to disagree and, and sort of move on. It's almost not quite because our wives, it's, it's not like, playing basketball with the guys or or baseball where you you sort of leave it on the field quote unquote yeah um, but yet I think you and Kristen and me and Mary both have that kind of dynamic in our mm-hmm. relationship where we can disagree and then move on because we realize sometimes you're just you know especially with something like music you're just not going to see eye to eye and you might have a strong opinion yeah now to take that sports analogy a little bit further, um, every now and then, and Kristen will, like, she would admit it, there are times, like, if we're working on a part in one of our band songs or whatever, there, there are times where I catch myself going into, like, baseball coach mode, and she has to tell me to bring it down bring a little bit. Bring it down bit. a little bit. Bring it down um, a little bit. You know, because we're competitive, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and, and, and even though it's, music isn't necessarily a competition, you, know, you want to get that win of of nailing that part. Yep. Yep. Right. So it's, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll start getting heated and not even heated. It's just, I want, I want the win, <laughs> but I forget that one, that's my wife. And two, that's also a woman who's not going to respond the same way that an 18 year old center fielder. <laughs> is <gonna respond>. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you, you learn these little things like, um, so you you and Kristen play the same instrument. Mary and I play mm-hmm. the same instrument. Um, we both play keys. And when when I you know we were doing rehearsals and whatever, and I was we were trying to learn something, and she wasn't getting something. Yep, quite right. My impulse would be to go over to her keyboard and show her. Mm-hmm. She did not like that at all. Yeah, she did not want me to show her. Tell me what to do. Mm. Don't show me. Tell me. And I just had to learn that that's what she wanted. She did not like me to mm-hmm. move her hands off the keys and get mine on there and say, do this. She yeah. wanted me just to tell her what to do um, and, and tell me what it is. Tell me what the chord is. Tell me what the progression is. I'll figure it out. Just tell me. And she didn't want me to show her. That That's kind of the opposite of Kristen and me where she wants to see it because we don't know theory. Mm, there you go. <laughs> and uh, so especially if it's a lead part, well, you know, with metal, with breakdowns, you got so many different chug patterns and stuff like that where we're trying to sync up with like a double kick. Um, but with a lead part, she does want it shown to her. Now, I'm not like grabbing her guitar. Like I can just right, show her right, from right. mine. True. Uh, that's that's an advantage that guitar maybe has over keys. You can kind of mirror, yeah. Yeah, where it's just like, here, sit down in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, instead of let me reach around and hit 88 keys and whatever. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of practices, we normally don't really have all that much disagreement, mainly because 
you know, our kind of our philosophy with band practices, we're not writing during practices. Hmm. Any kind of writing happens beforehand and, you know, we we iron stuff out at band practice. Yeah. And it's it's let's make sure we have this song and if something needs to change then that's fine and we'll mm-hmm. figure that out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's n- never <laughs> writing. I am terrible. Like I have a hard time at writing as it is, mm-hmm. but especially writing with everybody else on the spot. Like I just can't do it. Huh. Like I'm incapable of that. So, uh, usually if we have a disagreement, um, you know, it's going to be around, uh, maybe branding, if you will, how we promote stuff or, uh, when we're going to play a show next and, you know, metal bands have a lot of lineup turnover. So mm. sometimes it's hard to even feel confident enough to reach out to a venue and be like, Hey, we're ready. You know? So there's some of that. And it, and it really just comes down to kind of understanding each other's thought processes mm-hmm. with, within that whole discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think if you, I, my personal opinion is I think it's possible to be intense and maintain respect. Oh yeah, remain and it's it's possible to be. Uh, I think you can cross a line, but it's possible to be really focused and determined and and not be unkind. Right. Um, and I think where where the disagreements between Mary and I have maybe gone off the rails or gotten too emotional is mm-hmm. when one or both of us loses sight of respecting the other, especially in front of other people, or yeah. you let your intensity and determination cross the line into being unkind. Right. Making making faces at Mary when she hits a bad chord is unkind. Yeah. Um, and I stopped doing that, thankfully. But, you know, it... <laughs> it, it, it uh, you know, it's, and I, what, what's that driven by, right? It's driven by, um, I think, an insecurity, an immaturity that I had all those years ago of how we sound and how mm-hmm. it comes across says something about me. And so yeah. right there, I'm focused on myself and not on worship, not on, you know. Yeah. So that, that reminded me of the original lineup of our band. <laughs> we had, we had some technical issues um, where we had a keys guy and he was running his entire rig through a computer and he had a little controller for our electronic samples because that's mm-hmm. what you do with 2010 era post hardcore. Is <laughs> you have electronic samples, <laughs> and there were times when he would he would just get in the zone playing his parts. With some of some of them were pretty complicated, really fast arpeggiated parts where he'd have to like cross over mm-hmm. his right hand and stuff like that. And uh, so he would get in the zone and he would forget to hit the sample. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, just reach over and hit the button. And there, I remember one time we were playing in North Carolina, and he was like a beat and a half late. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. And our singer turned around and into the microphone and said, "Thanks a lot, Nick." Like in the middle of the show, and everybody's just like, "Oh, dang it! What's happening right now?" Um, we're actually all still friends with those guys yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, but don't do stuff like that, especially into a microphone, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, who asked this question? Is it Brian Morris? No, it was it was not Brian Morris. It was Jared Hartley. We don't know if he's married or not. Uh, yes, he is married. Yes, and he, and he makes music with his wife. See, and and here's what I'd say: not to go into marriage counseling mode here, but <laughs> you know, I. Th- I, I, I deal with a lot of couples, Cody, that don't, they have no sense of partnership in their marriage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they love each other. They might even like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a cohabitation kind of well, mindset. Well, maybe not even that. It's not, it, like, it's, some couples just don't know how to work together. Like, they're better off doing their own thing. Um, and then maybe meeting in the middle over date nights or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe shared interests and, you know, things they have in common that they like to do for entertainment. And, and, but there's no sense of partnership in the marriage. Yeah. Like, like over the years and it's taken years Mm -hmm. to really hone this in, Mary and I have this rhythm of partnership that spills over into Mm -hmm. a working for res on at a, you know, the office level, the executive level, um, Leading worship, mm-hmm. doing ministry with couples like premarital, like yep. we did with you guys, and we yep. do with a lot of other couples, 
even cooking the meals at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it spills over even into yard work. It spills yep. over into all these other things yep. that we just partner together in because we've learned how to respect each other's strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. We've learned how to communicate. We've learned. I, I know what Mary does well, mm-hmm. and I know what I do well. She and we know vice versa, and we're able to just sort of roll with that. And but it takes time. We can disagree and move on. We can we can not take you know certain things personally when there's when there's a rift. And I would just say to to the brother that asked that question, I don't know how long he's been married. Maybe he's been married a long time. Uh, but if he's struggling with that, don't give up. Right. Like like if you're if you're having disagreements with your wife making music with her, don't give up on that. Mary and I did too early on in our marriage. Um, but over time, if you keep working at it, keep partnering, mm-hmm. keep maintain respect, maintain um, kindness, and and just keep working together. Iron will sharpen iron, and. What, what you'll find is that not only does the music that you do together get better, but your partnership gets better and it gets yep. stronger and it'll spill over into other things. And so the fact that, that he and his wife have something like music to partner on, mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And keep working at it. Keep plowing through those disagreements that maybe at times get a little out of bounds. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, so let's even zoom out because obviously this can affect a church band, right? but this kind of thing can also affect church leadership mm-hmm. um, where, you know, we won't get into the exact decision. It's not a primary or even secondary, or I would even say not even tertiary mm-hmm. issue. It's, it's, it was really just a, a stewardship issue within our board uh, where there was a lot of disagreement. There was. And we actually disagreed. You and I did. Which which I'm not used to. (laughs) If I I disagree with you, I'm I'm used to that being like a nuance kind of thing. Right, right. Um, And then it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, Where we were actually on exact opposite sides. Um, So what kind of principles can churches take from decisions like that uh, where it's, it could, if someone if someone really wanted to wake up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever, like someone could make that a bigger issue, I think, than it is on something that's ultimately a uh, almost to the level of color on the carpet kind of thing, right? Yes, and I think you you I think you hit one of the most important things to realize is that when it's a secondary or tertiary issue. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means it's not worth getting divided over. Mm-hmm. We might disagree, right? But it doesn't. It shouldn't yeah. compromise our unity. Mm-hmm. And when we made the decision as a board, we 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 had to call for a vote, which is something that we rarely rarely right. do. We had to call for a vote uh, on this particular stewardship question, um, and the majority ruled. Mm-hmm. And it, as soon as the majority ruled, what I said to the to the whole board was, I said, "Look, this is not going to divide us. Yep, we are a unified people, mm-hmm. even when we disagree on certain things." Yep. And I quoted, you know, the scriptures that say, you know, maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Yep. Right? Like that's that's huge. And and at the same time, I said, "Look." Just because the majority ruled this way, now I believe I I believe that when leaders and and Christians in general m- live in a prayerful posture, I believe the Holy Spirit's leading in that. Yeah. So I believe the the Lord was leading our board, and I think we made the right decision. But I said at the end, I said, you know, we're going to keep praying because right. we're not perfect hearers, and if if the Lord says otherwise, if if the Lord begins to lead us in some way that the minority was right, not the mm-hmm. majority, then we'll call an audible and we'll pivot. Right. You know, it, we're, I am not above that. And so, and because I know it's a secondary or tertiary issue, it is not something that I'm going to dig my heels in. All exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it was one of those things where like the, the disagreement you could tell was heartfelt. Yeah. Um, like I was, I was actually in one of those positions that I'm not used to being in of actually having changed my position from the last time that this was talked about. Yeah. Um, and I, I like, I'm really not used to that. 
<laughs> I'm used to, you know, what do I think? Uh, what does the Bible say? Whatever. How does that line up with these principles? And okay, good, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was one where I, as I examined it more, I was less comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, crap, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we actually had a couple of people on the board who were in the same boat. We did. Um, maybe they were a little more used to that than I am. I don't know. Um, but regardless, that was that was actually kind of uncomfortable for me to even go through because it's like, I like to be sure about things. <laughs> but, you know, like, you think about when the Apostle Paul began his second missionary journey, uh, and he's with Silas, and they... They, the Bible says, you know, they tried to go here and they were prevented. They tried to go there and they and the Lord stopped them, the Holy Spirit. And then they get this, Paul has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here. And it's like, they con- in, in light of all of that, they concluded, the Bible mm-hmm. says, that they should go to Macedonia. Right. So there was, a, there was a reasoning that was taking place based on the information at hand. Yep. And what's interesting is... They ended up in the right place. We know that the Church of Philippi came as a result of that trip to Macedonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but just prior to that, the same kind of thing happened where Paul and Barnabas were split over whether or not to bring John Mark along on this second trip. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of reasoning involved in that, and that reasoning resulted in Paul and Barnabas parting ways, albeit temporary. Right. And Barnabas took John Mark, Paul took Silas, and actually kingdom advancement came as the result right. of that disagreement. Um, and I, th- I would, I would be pr- pretty confident in saying that Paul and Barnabas did not allow their unity in Christ to be compromised, even though they had a disagreement over what to, how to go about that second trip. Right. So I think both can happen in the body of Christ if we're if we're prayerful, uh, even if we feel strongly about something. We can still not allow it to be, cause division again, as long as it's a secondary or tertiary issue. Yeah, exactly. And and as far as I could tell, um, because I was also still trying to process things in the middle of that conversation, uh, any of the disagreements were voiced really respectfully. Absolutely. As far as I recall, uh, there was there was a firmness, but there was a you could tell that there was a commitment to not blow up on anybody there was a commitment to not uh point a finger and call names and crap like that uh so even though it it was kind of a tense weird situation that we we haven't had uh since this deacon board was uh installed um i think we came out stronger ultimately i i think so i I mean i it was some really, really good text that came from one of the guys um, after the fact who was on your side, on the minority mm-hmm. side, and just was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm hundred yeah. percent. You know, like that. I'm with the decision that was made. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a really positive, Christ-like kind of yeah. attitude, which I really appreciated. And yeah. I think that's a sentiment the whole board shares. Oh yeah, and and we actually joked about it the next day when I came that's in right. the podcast. It's yep. like we're not gonna. We're not going to lose our crap over this, <laughs> right? Right. Right. So, if we want to, if, if we get into a debate about the virgin birth, that might be something to get a little bit more. Um, that might div- that would divide us, right? Like it, right. that would that that's that's something that is essential and primary, and uh, you know, yeah, I think recognize the issue at hand and. Don't let it compromise your unity. That's that's the biggest thing. We just we're, we're so tribal. I talk about this in the sermon that's going to air this Sunday, which just as out. people listen to this will be last Sunday. That's true. So, so yeah. it'll be out. Um, I, you know James three. Um, when or actually it's James one when he talks about be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Our culture has turned that upside down. Mm-hmm. We are quick to speak, slow to listen, quick to become angry. Everybody's talking, and nobody's listening. Right. And we, uh, we, we are really, really good at confirmation bias right now. Totally. Totally. We want to be affirmed. Yep. We, we don't want to debate. We want to, we want to be affirmed. And, yep. you know, there's so much opportunity to just say what you think and feel and... Somehow, 
the, the notion that I just say what I feel, I just say what I think, is, is, has become some sort of moral standard. And it's really ridiculous. Right. Yeah. You know, where did, we, where did we get this idea that, you know, my opinions and my thoughts, unfiltered by anything objective, mm-hmm. is, is the apex of morality? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just... Uh, you, I mean, you just got to the heart of presuppositional apologetics, right? Exactly. By, by what standard? Yeah. And and the standard is literally shifting by the day. Yeah, uh, it seems a lot of yeah. times in the culture. Speaking of apologetics, oh boy, here we go. Ravi Zacharias passed away this yes. week. You know, a guy that I didn't agree with on everything, but man, do I I personally enjoyed his just his demeanor, his attitude, his yep. mind, yep, the way he thought, the way he talked about Christ, um, and the way he really. Really, really held the standard high for Christian thought and and yep. and theology as well as apologetics. Yes, uh, and really had really didn't have tolerance for weak, wishy washy, you know, self absorbed, you know, whatever that people call Christianity. Sometimes, I mean, he was really a re- really really a great strong leader in the body of Christ. And I'm sad. I'm sad he's gone, but um, I'm sure he was. Happy to see Jesus. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. On that note, when I get to uh, the Inquisition. Sure. Let's do it. All right, and it's time for the Inquisition, which is our listener question segment where we take your questions uh, on a weekly post in the Doxology Podcast Lounge. The first one, even though it's gear-related, Bradley, there's I think that you could have something to say about this. Uh-oh. Uh, Austin Dobbs asks, uh, stereo versus mono guitar rigs, when or why would you not run stereo in a church worship context? Any plans for more stereo pedals? Uh, well, no, I don't plan on on making any stereo pedals unless something drastic changes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into those that it's significantly more complicated. We'll just say that, uh, you know, like there are some really cool stereo pedals out there where you can, you know, ping pong delay repeats left and right. And that's really cool and all, but most people just run mono into one amp and you know, that's what I'm after. Um, and, and in a church context, like there's obviously nothing wrong. Mm-mm. You can't make that case. Uh, but what I would advocate for is to make your setup simple, mm-hmm. as simple as possible, right? So even within my rig, even though I have a giant pedal board, I plug in my guitar and that runs to the amp. And then we're good, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, whereas with stereo, you're talking about, well, you have to, one, have the sound guy on his A game and panning, you know, each, whether it's running direct or running two amps or whatever, you have to pan each side. You have to EQ each side. Yep. And then on top of that, you have to make sure that they're both, they're both working and that the cables running to those aren't going to crap out on you. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it, in the church world, you know, simple doesn't mean you're not excellent and you're not doing right. well. It, it just means that because dang it, my guitar tone is delicious right now. It's, it's fantastic, <laughs> but it, unless you have a sound guy that knows or girl that knows how to how to handle that and mix that, yeah, it to me it ends up being a mess. Yep, from a mix standpoint, and then like you said, there's just more cabling, uh, more more things that are plugged in that could go wrong. And so I would say, yeah, keep it simple. Yep. Keep it simple at church. Uh, Ryan Eigel, this is a pretty great question. Are shape notes the next hipster idea to make a comeback in oh worship? My or does Crowder have to advocate for it first? <laughs> Crowder has to advocate it. Yeah, for I it. would agree. Um, and I, I think I've mentioned on, on this podcast, I actually grew up with shape notes. Really? Because the Church of Christ is one of the very few groups anymore that actually uses shape notes. Huh. So we had them in our hymnals, and then when we switched to uh, a projector, instead of just the words, we actually had the the shape notes on the projector. And it was a couple lines at a time, so you could keep track of your bass 
and your tenors and whatever. So you know, my grandmother she played piano at church for I don't know twenty thirty years. Yeah, I mean country church, <coughs> mostly hymns, southern gospel t- yeah. style, whatever. But she never had a piano lesson in her life. She really, I think, she wasn't tone deaf, or she isn't. She's still alive. <laughs> She's not tone deaf, but I've never really heard her sing. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's all that musical, but this is the truth. She had a dream, and in the dream, she, this is the way she would say it, the Lord showed me how to play the piano with shape notes. What? All and right. she, that, that's literally what she says. And she woke up the next day, and the, the, the shapes made sense to her, and she started playing the piano and played in church for 20, 30 years. That's crazy. I don't even know what to do with that right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't either. Yeah. She said the Lord taught me to play the piano. With yeah. Notes. So Kenneth Ledford, uh, this will stem from our uh, last dance and competitive nature being the image of God and uh, trash talk even being in the image of God uh, discussion. <laughs> he said, can you twitch some of the games you play in the show? Referencing, uh, I'm in an MLB 20, the show league, uh, with a lot of other coaches in the area, and I am the Tampa Bay Rays. At, this is 15 guys. You play each team three times, seven inning games, um, and I am currently 17 and two on an on, and on a 10 game winning streak, and I am averaging five and a half runs a game, and I lead the league in ERA. So I'm just crushing people right now. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I traded... So what game is MLB like? ML, 20? MLB 20, the show. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I, you can do trades with this league too. So I traded for Charlie Culberson from the Braves because I just rake with that guy. He's not even rated that good, but in 18 games with him, I'm hitting like 450. Like, wow. it's just stupid. And I hit a walk-off homer with him, and somebody was complaining like, Culberson doesn't hit home runs in the group chat and all that. And I just posted... I'm scoring five and a half runs a game for a reason, and then <laughs> and then with the with the homers thing, I I posted a I think it was a 2018 video on that MLB.com put out of half of Charlie Culberson's career home runs have been walk offs, <laughs> and it was just hitting, him hitting like four or five different walk offs, and so I got to talk a little bit. That sounds of trash. fun. It, it is. I'm not a video gamer, but that sounds fun. It is, and I. I did. Uh, I did throw a perfect game on the uh, the athletic director and head coach of a pretty well known baseball school around here, and I felt pretty good about myself. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness! A perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Of course, it was a seven inning perfect game. So there, you know. Yeah. But s- still, how long does it take you to play a game? About twenty five minutes. These ah. guys don't work counts. Oh. Okay. Which is another little bit of my trash talk is. <laughs> For these guys to be baseball guys, none of them are working counts, and nobody can recognize an outside cutter that's running away, and they just flail at it. It's awesome. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, what I will say to Kenneth is, and, and I actually texted him this yesterday, is all I'm doing is I'm just doing what we've been teaching our ball players. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> all I'm doing. Um, so, anyway. Uh, let's see. Oh goodness. Oh, piggyback off of that. Brian Morris asks, is 2020 going to have baseball? And I sure hope so. That's all I got to say about that. Um, I don't know. It might without fans. I mean, you know, the regular season, some of the teams don't have hardly fans in the stands anyway. Yeah, it's true. They might get even social distance. (laughs) Plus it's outside and it's safer. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I yeah. think we could, as long as this so. virus continues to, tr- continues to trend downward. Yeah. Well, I mean, what people have to realize is, regardless of when we open things back up, there are going to be more cases. Like, that's just kind of the natural yeah. state of things. That's right. Last question from Brian Morris. As we record, at least, this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and Monday is Memorial Day. The church calendar and the American church calendar you could say, collide a little bit. Should we mention either one in our Sunday service? Um, He would personally say no on the latter being Memorial Day, but I know many still do. Um, Well, I think... So, I am very uh, anti-super-pro-any-particular-country, not just America, but any... like. I'm not about to sing God Bless America <laughs> right. in church right. or the national anthem or whatever. 
but I think there is room for being thankful for freedoms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also room with Memorial Day, like that's a mourning with those who mourn kind of thing. Uh, Memorial Day is not Veterans Day, and a lot of people screw that up. Memorial Day is for those who have been killed in action. That's right. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my family went through that several years ago with a family friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I appreciate tasteful Memorial Day <laughs> uh, remembrances. Um, not like, uh, I'll, I'll, to talk baseball again, uh, I'm not a fan of what Major League Baseball has done for years where they just slap camo on everything and then use that as an excuse to sell more stuff. Right. And then they're not transparent at all with where the money goes. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's, hey, we're thinking about you or praying for you kind of thing, let's honor that. I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I don't either. I mean, and that's my approach. I think, you know, I treat Memorial Day and the recognition of it in the worship service, in the it, it's, it's in the same category in my mind as Father's Day and Mother's Day. Yeah. Is that there? there's a there's a pastoral sensitivity yep. to... People are going to expect something, right? Well, not just expect an acknowledgement, but yet it's it's good for the church to support and encourage mothers. Yep, in their unique role, it's good and 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 it's right for the church to support fathers yep. in their unique role. Yep. and I think it's good and right for the church to grieve with those who grieve and be thankful that you know there are people who, and I know we can we can press this way too far and this gets thrown around, but people that died in service to a country where we enjoy freedom to worship, and we can be thankful about that. Right. We can be thankful that you know they may have died. I don't, I don't even want to go there, but it, it's it, it. There's a there's a there's a right place for gratitude. Um, right. I think there's for, a place for debate. I think you're going to go to like the political side of it. That that's right. That's right. Just and unjust wars and that and there that, there's a legitimate discussion to be had. Le- legitimate discussion to be had. But we're we're thankful for people who serve our society and serve yep. our country, and it's right for us to demonstrate that gratitude. And in turn, they end up serving the church. Exactly. Yeah. And I th- and this is the last thing. I think it's an easy bridge. Mm-hmm. From Memorial Day to the gospel, so that right. we're we're able to say yes. We're th- it's not a worship America moment, right? And it's it's also not a uh, two kinds of people died for you kind of thing. Either. No, heck no. But you can say you know like these these folks died for us, or not not died for us. They died in service to our country, and we're thankful for that. But you know. It, Really, what matters is the fact that Christ died for us. That, that, those two are right. not on equal playing field. Not at all. But we are able to 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 launch into that discussion, and um, and at least in some ways, because I, I just think like when a church emphasizes Fourth of July, like what what are we doing there? I mean, that might offend some people that listen to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it we're 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 worshiping America. Our eyes are on the USA and and it, and it promotes this god and country thing that I just think's an unhealthy. I do Memorial too. Day not so much. Yeah. Um so recognizing Pentecost then uh, a lot of people kind of have knee jerk reactions because of the associations with the Pentecostal branch of Christianity but Pentecost is a real thing, right? I've never understood that. I mean, I guess I do that because the, the Pentecostal movement hijacked a term Right, you know, Pentecost Sunday, um, really in its essence is. I mean, Pentecost was a feast. Mm-hmm. Everybody showed up in Jerusalem, and the inaugural moment of the church happened during that feast, and it's why we call it Pentecost, um, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and and that was a unique event. Right. That, that was that was a it was the birth of the church age, and. Um, the apostles and, and the disciples in the upper room were filled with the Spirit and became witnesses, mm-hmm. effective witnesses as a result. And and we we still live in that post-Spirit-poured-out world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get why people are hesitant to acknowledge Pentecost Sunday. Maybe yeah. it's because they're afraid to talk about they were all speaking in tongues. But uh, we still got to have this whole Continuate continuationist versus cessation. That's true. Discussion. That's true. Here's here's another fun question: is is was that 
actually the birth of the church or was it, and, and I'm processing this anyway, so I'm not asking to get you to a point. <laughs> so I'm legitimately asking, was it actually the birth of the church or since all who belong to spiritual Israel are Israel, the church has been around since Adam and Eve. And then the second question would be, is it that the spirit was poured out period or was it that the spirit was poured out on all flesh, meaning that the gospel would go out uh, among the Gentiles as well and the kingdom would spread throughout the world? Yes. A little bit of everything? <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, you look, <clears throat> Mary and I have been reading First Samuel in the morning. Yeah. And in two different times, we're not all the way through First Samuel, but... Um, the, at one point it says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Saul, yep. Yep. and then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samuel yep. uh, when he was about to anoint David. Mm-hmm. So it's not like people in the Old Testament had no experience with the with right. the spirit, right? Ever. I mean, the, the spirit's very prominent in the Old Testament. When Jesus talks to his disciples, he says to them, "It's better that I go away, yep, because if 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 I don't go away." He won't come, and and he's talking about the Spirit, and he says, and he has been with you mm-hmm. and will be yep. in you. Yep. So it's not like the disciples have had no experience with the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. But I do think, and it's why I, I, I talk about it as the birth of the church. You know, Jesus tells the disciples, you wait. Mm-hmm. Wait until the Spirit comes. You're going to be my witnesses, but wait until he comes. There was a deeper, richer, gooder, Experience, and I said good or on purpose, <laughs> um, with the Spirit sure. uh, at Pentecost and post-Pentecost than had, than had been prior to that in human right. history. Right. I think some of that question is, uh, like I've been trying this year to connect the Old Testament with New Testament, like connect those dots. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, and I think you would agree with this, there was much less bifurcation in Scripture than we want to think. Right, like we want to, we want to think. Oh, well, that's Old Testament; it doesn't matter. Right, that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, well, that was for Israel. Well, in a sense, yes, but at the same time, when when God says, "Don't muzzle the ox when it treads the grain," well, Paul applies that in the New Testament. That's to right. Paying pastors. And that's stuff right. Like that. That's right. Um, so just processing things like that. Um, good question, though. I mean, a good thought. I mean, I I, I wouldn't say that. Um, you know that there there was zero Holy Spirit up until Pentecost, yeah. um, but yet Peter quotes the prophet Joel. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. at the, in the last yeah, days, a- Acts two was fulfillment of Joel two. Exactly right. Exactly. Which, just for the record, when you hear about people talking about Joel's army, like they're just totally anyway. (laughs) Um, Shall we leave it there, I guess? Sure. Alrighty. Follow us, comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five-star review and you support the show at anchor.fm. If you pledge to donate $10 a month for your year, you get your choice of Piper Drive, version two, the Wycliffe Fuzz, or the Pink Trouble Booster. And make sure you email me with your shipping address when you do that. Thanks for listening.